Well, thank you, Brother Terry. My goodness, we do have to be reminded from time to time where we once were, where we are now. If you would, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. This morning I want to share, continue to share on our theme on mission with God. And we know that we're on mission with God. But there, if we're not careful, uh, we'll become hindered in regards to that of that mission, and uh, there is a danger from drifting from the mission. We're on a mission, on mission with God. So this morning I want to share with you about the danger from drifting from the mission. Let's look at Hebrews 2, 1 through 3, and I'll make some comments and we'll come back to that passage. Hebrews chapter 2, therefore, Paul says in Hebrews 2, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. One translation has drift. I really like that word. For if the word spoken by angels were steadfast and even transgressions and disobedience, received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? For the past several weeks, I've been sharing the theme on mission with God. We discovered that before the foundation of the world, God developed a plan to redeem mankind from their sin. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross as man's substitute for the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death, not only a physical death, but also an eternal death. Jesus died and he he was buried, but he arose on the third day from the dead victorious over sin, victorious over death, and victorious over the grave. And the Bible says that if anyone would see themselves as a sinner, repent of their sins, turn to Christ for their salvation, place their faith and trust in him and him alone, call out to him that he would forgive their sins and save them from their sins. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we discover that after we're saved, we receive all the benefits of God's grace, many benefits of God's grace. We receive salvation. We receive eternal life. We receive forgiveness of sin. We receive his mercy. We receive his grace. But we also receive a mission, God's mission. We receive all the benefits, but we, along with those, receive a mission. And I would count that as a benefit, to be on mission with God. And we become partakers of his mission. So it's not just about being saved, but it's about being saved and being on mission. 
So we become partakers of his mission. We become ambassadors, the Bible says, his representatives here on earth. We become his ministers of reconciliation. We become part of the priesthood of believers. Priest's responsibility was to represent the people to God. So the priest is to stand between a holy God and a sinful man and try to bring the two together as a reconciler of both. So we become part of the priesthood of the believer, meaning standing between a holy God and a sinful world, seeking to reconcile the two together. And then after we're saved, we're co-laborers on a co-mission with him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, a familiar passage, but listen to the mission. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So we're co-laborers on a co-mission with Jesus Christ, with God Almighty. The point is, we've been saved to glorify God in everything that we do, and the easiest way to glorify God is to serve people. So last week, I shared a sermon, Save to Serve. And last week, we distributed some ministry team forms, those little yellow forms. They're not in the backs of chairs now, but they're at the Welcome Center. You had one stapled to your... Uh, your sheet last week but we distributed those ministry team forms to be filled out for you to volunteer for a place of service some did many did but so many didn't and we made a plea we made a plea for preschool workers we made a, pre- a plea for those to help with children's church and you did great signing children's church we made a plea for nursery workers we didn't get, do so well trying to get 10 nursery workers. We made a plea for, for the Children's Welcome Center. We did pretty good with the Children's Welcome Center. And then this past Wednesday night, we, the church voted to receive the nominating committee's report, and in that report, we decided it would be best for our children in preschool that nursery would be birthed through 23 months, and on 24 months, they'd come out and go next door to to preschool two, which would be uh, 24 months uh, uh, to uh, 35 months, right before they turn three. And they would they would be an extended session on Sunday morning uh, to to take the older toddlers out of the nursery and put them into an extended session. And so you'll have birth to 23 months, and then you'll have 24 months coming out and going into a room next door during worship for extended session. We need some extended session workers. And so I asked you three questions last week. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you regenerated? Are you redeemed? Have you been saved? And if you've been saved, why are you saved? And you're saved to glorify God in everything that we do. And the easiest way to do that is by serving God, by serving our fellow man. And then I said and asked third questions, where are you serving? And then we adopted our nominating committee report this past Wednesday night. 
We still need some nursery workers, birth through 24 months. And the most vulnerable area in our church needs workers, and that's our babies through 24 months old and the toddlers. And I was praying, and I asked God, I said, God, why are people so unwilling to serve, and especially perhaps in this area? And God gave me one word. Just one little word. It just He whispered to my spirit, and he said, drifting, drifting, drifting. Years ago, my dad was a scoutmaster, and I had a great scout troop, 265 was a troop number, and he was a scoutmaster for about 17, 20 years, something like that. And he took us on one more wild, wild adventure, and we put in at the Red Bay Flat there at the bridge to go in car hood boats to the Tennessee River. I had a boat that was two Bonneville Pontiac car hoods welded together. And back then, you, you know what I'm talking about, we had car hood boats. And once we started down that creek to the Tennessee River, we discovered real quick that a car hood boat is just like a big old dish pan. Um, it just drifts. And it, it twirls around and it spins around. It goes north for a while, then it goes east for a while, southwest. It just goes really, and then you, it's hard to paddle a car hood boat. I mean, the width of a Bonneville hood, you can imagine that, trying to get from one side to the other side is pretty hard to do has nothing that gives it direction. In other words, it doesn't have a rope, doesn't have a rudder. So the question, God, is why are so many unwilling to serve? And God says they're just drifting. They're drifting. They're just enjoying life, doing what they want to do, doing when they want to do, no thought about anything that I want them to do. They're just drifting. They're just drifting. Well, you know, we went about a mile and a half, I mean, about a half a mile, I'm sorry, to about uh, a mile, I guess, and we rounded this bend, and a tornado had gone down that creek, and it laid trees on both sides of the bank. It laid trees across that creek, and all of a sudden, it, it seemed like that creek was just full of trees. So then we, we had to cut through, we had to carry around, we had to cut back through, and it was, it was terrible. Here's the point. If you're drifting in your spiritual life, you don't have any spiritual direction whatsoever. You're just floating along, enjoying life, enjoying the word. You better take heed, my friend, because it won't be long till you round the bend. And there's going to be a disaster waiting for you. Now, you can't afford to float in society, in the society in which we live. There is a current. That current is our society. That current is our society. It's philosophy. It's attitude. The attitude is an ungodly attitude, an unchristian attitude, an, un, an unchristlike attitude. Uh, it has a, a, uh, an attitude, a negative attitude in regards to prosperity, a negative attitude in regards to uh, immorality. You better stop and think about the consequence of floating in the current of society. You need a rudder. 
and you need a sense of direction. To put it a little more simple, you need God in your life. He created you. He created you for a purpose. He has a purpose for you, something better for you. But he has to guide you to put you where he wants you to what's best for you. So here's the question. Are you just floating in life? I mean, are you just carried with the current? Are you just drifting in your spiritual life with no direction whatsoever? That current will always carry you into trouble. Now, there's a danger in drifting. There's a danger in your marriage. I notice those who drift from God, soon it begins to affect different areas in their life. The first thing, if you're married, it affects your marriage. If you're drifting spiritually in your life and you don't have it nailed down in what God wants you to do and where he wants you to serve and you're not serving in that area and you're not trying to fulfill his purpose for life, you're just more concerned about fulfilling what's out these four walls, you're going to have a major problem eventually. It'll start with a marriage. It'll be your children. It'll be your finances. You're going around the bend, and you're going to face a disaster in front of you. Hebrews 2. Paul, like myself, he could sense and notice that some in the church just kind of started to drift in their own walk with the Lord, and, and he just gave them some advice. Look at verse 1. He says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard. In other words, earnest heed. Give earnest heed. In other words, pay attention. Pay attention what you're hearing. Pay attention. Just because you attend church today doesn't mean you're paying attention. You see, here's the point. It's one thing to hear, and it's another thing to apply what you hear. Pay attention. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard. Least at any time we should let them slip. Verse 3. He asks a rhetorical question here. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? He asks a rhetorical question And the answer is in the question, how can you escape? Well, you can't escape. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What makes it so great a salvation? First of all, it's a gift of God. John 3, 16, it's a gift of God. It has the power of the gospel to save. It's available to everyone. It's a whosoever will gospel. That's a great salvation. Be careful not to drift from the plan that God has for you. Be careful not to drift from this so great a salvation, which includes God's plan for you. Are you just existing from one week to another without direction where you're going? It's just get up, go to work, come home, eat supper, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home, eat supper, go to bed. Do you have purpose? Do you have direction? Do you have a commitment? Do you have strength? Do you have courage to do those things and to be what God wants you to be and 
and to go where God wants you to go? Are you willing? Be careful lest you drift away. So the question naturally is, how do I know if I'm drifting? See, remember this, if you're caught up in the current of this world, you won't realize you're drifting. You ever been in a boat and all of a sudden you've realized you looked up and you've drifted farther from shore? You, you didn't know you was that far. You know, you go to the beach and you get on a, a raft and you lay on that rubber raft and you kind of snooze a little and you wake up and my goodness, I didn't know I'd gone this far from shore. See, most of the time, majority of the time, you don't even know you're drifting away from God. So he gives us some drifting signs. I'm going to list those for you. Number one, you're drifting when you begin to pay less attention to the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9 and verse 10. Psalm 119, verse 9 and 10. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget the law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. The psalmist said, listen, I'm going to keep the law on my heart. I'm going to keep the law on my mind. Regardless what happens, I'm going to know God's word. I'm going to know God's law. Here's the point. If you don't treasure God's word, if you don't read God's word, if you don't use God's word as a guide, you're going to live a life of sin without question. People live in sin that reject the word of God. When you close this book, when you close this book and when you close your mind and life to this book, you're going you're gonna to live a dangerous life. And that's where the drift starts. It's when you close this book. It's when you don't pay attention to the word of God. So paying less attention to the word of God means that I'm in a drift. Number two, jot this down, the lack of prayer. The time you need to pray the most is when things are going good. If things are going good, you need to really pray. You really need to pray. That's when you drop your guard, and that's when the devil picks up your guard. The point is, God is your rudder. He's your navigator. He knows where he wants you to go. And, and you must communicate with him. You must talk with him constantly on a daily basis or you're going to drift from him. There's some important channels in the sea of life. There's the moral channel and the financial channel and the family channel. There's the relationship channels. You better pray and talk to the navigator and let him guide you around those channels. Number three, if attending church is not important to you, you'll begin to drift. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, a familiar passage, says this. Verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So we come together. We come together. We sing together. We pray together. We learn together. We encourage each other 
together. We worship God together. And so the best thing for us to do is just put away all those little petty excuses that we have and why we don't come to church and meet with God's people on any given Sunday or Wednesday. Most people begin to drift when they begin to miss church. You know you're drifting if the Bible's not important. You know you're drifting if prayer's not important. You know you're drifting if church attendance not important. Jot down number four. You know you're drifted when you stop telling people about Jesus. Tonight's our fourth week of Grow Outreach training. We've had 80 people to come through this training. We want to go out to our community and share our testimonies. Last week we had two fantastic testimonies. Tonight we're going to, Bobby Guthrie is going to share a testimony. Perhaps someone else will share a testimony. So last week we've learned how to share a testimony. The best tool that you have to lead someone to Christ is your testimony. They may argue different things about heaven and hell and all these uh, um, all the different doctrines or what have you. One thing they can't argue about is what Christ has done for you in your life. Your testimony is key. So the point is, you're drifting in your spiritual life if you're not sharing your testimony. I can't imagine a grandparent not sharing a testimony to the grandchildren. You know, for years, I, I, I never heard my grandmother's testimony. Brenda's same grandmother. And I went up to her one day and I said, Mama Kate, I said, could you tell me when you got saved? And she shared her testimony. I can't imagine a parent, a believer, not sharing their testimony with their children. I cannot imagine that. Charles Stanley said it this way, and I liked his I like this. Jot it down. I quote him. Before any child listens to their pastor they watch their parents before any child listens to their pastor they watch their parents and the point is mom and dad remember that your children are in the boat and they're in the current of a godless society and it's up to you as a parent above all to share how God changed your life where God can change their life If I don't tell them who the rudder is, if I don't tell them who the rudder of my boat is, they'll be swept away into the current. And I see that happening all the time. The point is we're to be salt and light in a godless world, and if we're not sharing, we're drifting. And last, you know you drifted if you don't feel close to God anymore. I talk to people, very common answer. They'll say, Brother Sammy, I just don't feel close to God anymore. I'll say, really? And they're giving, up the, they're giving up the best thing that they could ever have, and that's an intimate relationship, an intimate personal relationship with a person by the name of Jesus. The most important thing to God is our personal relationship with him. When was the last time that you felt the presence of the Lord in your life? When was the last time that you saw him at work in your life? 
When was the last time, you know, today, from time to time, we'll ask for testimonies. Is there a praise report? And it's crickets. Does anybody have a praise report, a prayer answered? Crickets. When was the last time that you came home and said, Honey, you wouldn't believe how God worked today, what he did in my life. You would not believe how he put so-and-so in my life, and I asked him to put a person in my life today. When was the last time that your relationship was so close to the Lord that you saw him working in your life? The question is, why don't you feel his presence now? I'll tell you why. You're too far downstream. You've allowed other things to take God's place in your life. The question is, are you drifting today? Are you saved? Have you been born again? Have you been redeemed? Have you been reconciled with God? Why are you saved? To glorify God in everything that I do. The easiest way to do that is by serving him, by serving other people. Are you serving? Yes, I'm serving, Brother Sammy. No, I'm not serving. Well, why? Two reasons. Number one, you've never been saved. Number two, you're drifted downstream. Only two reasons. The word is not important like it once was. Prayer is not important like it once was. Church attendance is not important like it once was. Witnessing is not important like it once was. I don't feel close to God as I once did in my life. Unless you repent and come back to God, you're going to round the bend. You're going to suffer the consequence of your drifting. And remember, it's just around the bend. Well, we finally got to Tishomingo, Mississippi, in those car hood boats. We were so glad to see Tishomingo Park. And we pulled off, and there stood a park ranger. He helped us get our boats up on the bank. My dad went over to talk to him, and he explained to the park ranger where we came from and what all we'd been through. And then Dad, I was standing there by him. I was about 12 years old then, 13 and I remember Dad asking Park Ranger this. He said, how is it on down to, to the Tennessee River? And the Park Ranger said, well, you know what you've been through. He said, it's about ten times as bad on downstream. And Dad said, let's pull out, boys. It's time to go back home. We pulled out to Shemingo. We headed home. Today, some of you are drifting. You know it. I know it. God knows it. You have a choice. You can keep drifting, or you can pull out, and you can go back home. That's out of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time that we've had just to open your word and think about this slipping away, this drifting in our Christian life. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. And, Lord, it's just not now, but 
I know in my own personal life when I've drifted and I'm not as close to you as I should have been, you spoke to me. You spoke to me through a friend. You spoke to me through a sermon. You spoke to me through a song. You spoke to me through your word. You speak to people. You've spoken to us today. And I pray for those who have drifted that today, Lord, they'll pull over and they'll head back home. Because I know, Lord, you've got something special for us, each one of us. So help us to realize, Lord, that you have a purpose for us. Help us to get in your word. Help us to talk to you on a regular basis. Help us to worship you on a regular basis. Help us to share with others how they can have the same hope we have in Christ Jesus. Help us to head back home today. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.